We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime and Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. This is a special edition of Rotoviz Overtime, as we will be doing our Q and A questions, but not in relation to fantasy football. Miss myself and Sean have really enjoyed recording these over the last uh, couple of weeks, and we're going to record and release them then, kind of as just episodes throughout different portions of the preseason, the NFL season. Uh, we've got a lot of positive feedback on them. So today, Sean, then to kind of a a random mix of questions so this is going to be very fun including some of the things we wanted to be when we grew up and who we would pick to have lunch with if we could only uh, you know if we could have lunch with any person in the world uh, so we are going to have some fun today so i'm looking forward to jumping in with this and i'm going to ask you this sean have you a, a favorite question that you're looking forward to hearing an answer in today well i mean i really like the ones here about the have you know if you could have lunch with anyone i am excited to hear your favorite youtube channels we're going to get to really know colin find out if he's got uh some i don't want to say skeletons in the closet but when we find out what you're what you're watching on youtube we get a little bit of a, a sense about you there but i tend of listening to taylor swift uh i haven't added that that is obviously my favorite youtube channel but um, and, and have you released the, the taylor swift one yet did you get some good feedback on on being a big taylor swift fan uh, hopefully people didn't hear that part of the episode okay good good colin buried that at the end why don't we start off here so you'll have to cut that why don't we start off your column by answering this question about whether we use emojis in messages and if so what is your most used well the one i, I use a lot of them and uh, people who message on twitter probably wonder sometimes like why does he not reply with words i often will get a message and i'll just reply like thumbs up or laughing face or you know that sort of thing so the one i use the most is a rolling laughing face uh, i tend to use the laughing ones a lot uh, thumbs up is very commonly used the one i will call out here is in my last job we did have one which was called and this is obviously not on social media or it's not on phone apps but it's called the legit emoji so it was like a, a silly face but it was when you think like somebody has said something that is absolutely not true and they're trying to tell you it's true so you would say that it's legit i don't know sean is legit a word that's used in that context in the u.s 
I was going to ask you what the context was that you guys were using this here. So you're running, explain to everybody just quickly what, what you were doing. And I mean, were you having to explain to your employees, your trainees and what have you that, I mean, were you sending them emojis to say, no, go back, try, you know, try again here. Is this like a back to the drawing board emoji? This is usually like when you don't trust what somebody's saying or somebody has said something that you think is ridiculous. It's not usually something that you would say to somebody in a way of like, do something different. It's usually if somebody else said something and I was talking to you and I'm like, that person there is ridiculous. It's kind of more of a behind the back emoji, I guess we'll say. Uh, so it would be like the way we would use legit is when something is just outlandish or not believable. So it's used, Sean, more in a satirical way in terms of, you know, sarcasm, I guess, would be the, the main way. It's like on Twitter, we don't have a sarcasm font. So legit was kind of the way around that. So I guess if you were looking at a dictionary and you need an example, it would be like Derek Henry's going to, you know, catch 70 passes this year. And then I would say, well, that's legit. So it's not really legit. It's kind of, and the face was, the story behind the face is at the last job, there was like a rating system where if you, it was a call center, if you got a good review, it was a little green smiley face. And somebody had got some very bad, like red face reviews. So they had like photoshopped a very bad squiggly smiley green face. And then that became the legit face. So it was basically that these reviews were bad, but they were saying they were good. So yeah, that's, that was the one, the legit one. And I still, I wish there was something similar. On. If anyone has any ideas for something similar on social media, maybe it is the one with the two big eyes where the person, like it's staring at you with the two eyes that are like, they don't believe what you're saying. So that, that is my one, Sean, but Sean, you're not on Twitter, so people don't get to see what you're flashing up as emojis when we're when we're using Slack, for example. So, what is the the Sean Siegel emoji of choice? No, when I when I think about you know being back on Twitter, I'm like I just I know I'll be so far behind. I won't know what the you know proper responses to to all of these are. And, and you so won't know what have... hashtag content means. I got a good luck. <laughs> right, the hashtag content. So. <laughs> Column, you're just going to have to run the banana stand Twitter from from this point out. Um, I, yeah, I don't even know for sure what the definition of, of emoji is necessarily. If, if there Sean doesn't be... even know what the Twitter handle is. It's not at the banana stand. It's uh, at ff underscore contrarian. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> no wonder he can't get logged in. He's trying to log in under the the, the wrong uh, Twitter handle. So we got a lot of work to do there. I like to use the little flamethrower guy in Slack. The 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 creative folks in our Rotovis Slack do get a lot of fun little we'll just call them images that you can attach to various comments. And and I do think that that one is is pretty fun because the fire will not in and of itself match the level of a lot of comments there. You got a guy with a flamethrower, you're you're getting the job done. Um, what are your favorite YouTube channels. I'm seeing here in the show notes that you say you follow sports and then it seems like you're going into sports entertainment, which seems like it's similar to my like Mexican obstacle course reality show that I like. I thought that Sean was going to say, I see that you say you follow sports, but then you have wrestling which isn't a sport i thought that was where that was going and, well i mean um, it's it's sport well it's less sport than the obstacle course show where i think that they actually are trying to win it's not scripted out ahead of time but 
I mean, wrestling is extremely athletic and as you probably would agree, can, can be a good drama. Yeah, I think it is. There is obviously the storytelling aspect to it. I have, uh, when I was younger, so, you know, probably from 10 through 16, 17, I was a massive, massive wrestling fan. I kind of grew apart from it, which tends to happen with a, a lot of people who do like wrestling. But over the last two or three years, I've really got back into watching professional wrestling, particularly AEW. And it is interesting. There is, from time to time, I'll do a, a tweet around it if there's a big event coming up or something but i do get dms from listeners and then sometimes we have a you know back and forth conversation around it so something that i've got into again over the last couple of years for some keen-eyed people maybe if they're looking at my background on the youtube videos from time to time they may catch some of the funko pops that are in the background <laughs> some of them are uh wrestlers some past wrestlers some current wrestlers so uh and that might actually be part of a further answer coming up later in the show for the the dinner thing sean that we talked about but um, I, I watch AEW on, on YouTube. I watch some other creators who talk about the shows and the information around that. I'm a big Arsenal supporter when it comes to uh, football, and I, carry, I I watch some of the content, you know, game reviews, transfer speculation, things like that on YouTube as well. And, of course, I, I follow some of the Packers con content there. So most of it is sports-related that I'm catching. I do watch some financial information as well and uh, i watch graham stefan he would be one of the the popular ones you know from that kind of realm so i i watch a, a number of different things youtube obviously is very good at spitting up you know what they think you will like and that does catch your eye from time to time and obviously I, we, i'm working on the thumbnails for our channels and sometimes you get some ideas you're like well i don't know if i really want to watch this but that thumbnail has caught my attention so um yeah i i also watch speaking of that i watch a lot of content around how to grow a youtube channel <laughs> <laughs> that's another element of it uh, the question also sean did come in from daniel on this one it also had in brackets beside road of his ot as our favorite content obviously we're binge watching that uh the road of his overtime podcast as much as we can i was telling you that youtube was suggesting to watch road of his radio to me because all of our devices these days are obviously spying on us and so the fact that you and i mention rotoviz overtime and things to that effect means that my 82 inch smart television which i use for other things thinks that i want to watch rotoviz ot on it we're glad that some of you out there are doing that because it is uh growing and, and coming along nicely yeah I, I youtube is fantastic and you see all kinds of cool things on there and I don't know if I, I mentioned this, Sean, actually, when you say it's fantastic. I think I might have mentioned this on a recent show, or I might have mentioned it to you off air, but I used a, a YouTube video recently, and this is something I do use YouTube for, was to fix my coffee machine. Um, so anytime I have something and I'm like, I have no idea how to fix this, and it's like, where's the manual? Do, no idea where the manual is for this machine. How do I fix it? I usually go on to, uh, to YouTube. It's fantastic for that as well. Yeah, so much cool stuff on there. I can't fix anything, but I did manage to fix the garage door watching videos from YouTube. It was obviously not really broken or I would not have been able to fix it. <laughs> the Some of my favorites column, you have uh, the professor, right? Who is a basketball, streetball superstar, does a handful of sort of skit related types of things too, where he claims, and I think that it's probably you know reasonably true. I mean, this is someone who's been on the end one tour and, and just 
an elite elite basketball player handles like basically no other you know that he's been put on some lists that would include a lot of the, the former superstars you know potential globe triders uh isaiah thomas who probably the best dribbler of the last say 30 years undervalued underrated nba player uh, should have been on the dream team and a lot of those squads back at that time period but his videos because the basketball is fantastic and because the personality and the storytelling is also great you know you can get caught up and you know watch a handful of those and uh, you know waste an hour or two that way we do talk from time to time with with decent frequency about some other types of things and, and some of the ideas that i mentioned on a few of the previous q a's came from the huberman lab andrew huberman a neuroscientist at stanford who does a lot of evidence-based podcasting on you know, different elements of the brain the body you know, how you can make your muscles work how you can make your brain work how you can make your nutrition work and you know one of the things that we have to deal with in contemporary life is just you know which experts are you going to have confidence in and there's always going to be and i think there's a value to an extent in having at least this sort of mild appeal to authority obviously with the pandemic you, you see all kinds of people with some impressive credentials of a kind who maybe are putting out some ideas that don't necessarily mesh with maybe the, the party line and yet you have to have the willingness to go through and look at the comments and, and try and research some things for yourself but when you're going through and you're watching some things on youtube if you have someone who seems very open someone who has an impressive academic background someone who is doing their own research someone who obviously loves and is invigorated by evidence-based practices and prizes that kind of thing and then has i mean again the people that you end up really liking on youtube i think for the most part are people that you connect with and think they have this energy to them that you can identify with and like and he has this calm very open very friendly way of presenting the information sort of drawing you in and, and going through all of these different things that you can do if you're interested in, in that particular topic for that day and so i enjoy those podcasts i certainly encourage listeners who are interested in the evidence on some of these types of things i think that you know we tend to think of school as being sort of dry we tend to think of science as maybe being something that's not particularly accessible or not particularly useful it's only relevant to people who are working in that field and it's not necessarily true and one of the things that's been really cool about youtube and one of the things that's cool about his show where he mentions a number of people where perhaps they don't have this traditional science background but are enthusiasts in this area that area talks from time to time about the weightlifting community and how there's obviously an obsession there with health and strength and you're going to make the biggest improvements if you're following a regimen that is evidence-based and so so much cool stuff i think to get into with that in a 
different area. We had a question on a recent show about music. I really like watching some of the videos from Lock Off the Earth there. Uh, I'm probably best known as, I don't know if it's considered to be a, a cover band or exactly what you uh, look at it as when you're doing covers on YouTube, but have these crazy videos with all of the instruments they've had. Obviously, a ton of those go viral. That's how you would run across them uh, if you're not talking about them you know, in your own family room and having it recommended to you that way. Uh, but their videos for so many of the big hits of the last decade are just number one i think that the music is good number two the visuals the personality i mean it's comedy right and the instruments that they bring into play as they do all of these just absolutely fantastic and then they have uh, obviously a handful of their own hits which i think are are very fun to listen to as well so i recommend them anybody who hasn't already heard of them and, and does like that kind of thing. I mean, you probably have run across them if you're looking for that type of content. And then Colin, we've talked, I think a few times about how, once I got back into tennis, I kept having these groin pulls and I didn't see it, think that, that was even possible. I mean, how do you pull your groin? It's just there, right? I mean, you, you play sports in your twenties and everything is fine. You don't have to worry about pulling your groin, but that was a little bit less the case when I got back into it recently and yoga was recommended to me. I was skeptical stretching. I mean, you, you don't, you don't get into playing tennis or playing basketball or playing um, any sport, even recreational softball. I mean, you're not getting into those things to stretch. And so yoga is basically like stretching with even more pageantry surrounding it and doing weirder things. And so like, I'll just do some more exercise, get a little bit stronger, be fine. But then like the third growing pull, you're like, well, I, I'm going to have to take this, this recommendation, this advice and, and try it a little bit, see if it helps. And I just love it, right? That health is completely improved. The back problems go away. It's very relaxing. The channel that I like to watch for that is called Boho Beautiful. Again, you talk about what you like to watch and just the personalities of the people there. I think, you know, and, and it, it takes all kinds. It's certainly not going to be the same thing for me that it is for somebody else. But if you feel sort of a genuine warmth and an ability. I, I don't have the background to necessarily judge certain YouTube creators in their area, right? To evaluate how good or bad they are. But if you can do some of these yoga poses and really look like almost a different species, but then have the friendliness where, I mean, I'm always being told that wherever I am is exactly where I, I need to be. And <laughs> I mean, what could be more rewarding than hearing you're exactly where you're supposed to be? So as I'm trying to reach down and touch my toes, I know that that for today is the right thing. Come on. YouTube is a lot of fun. And the main thing, we appreciate everyone who's watching Rotoviz Overtime, Ceiling Bananas, the entire YouTube group there with Rotoviz Radio. It's been a lot of fun to put those out. Yeah, and I might have to take you up on that because uh, before recording this today, Sean, I was... Uh back at the physio and the physio is impressed with how I'm coming along with my most recent back issue. But you said there with the groin, I have on three occasions had the same issue with my back. And it's always like, I get to a point, I build it up to a point and I'm like, Oh, it's better now. And then it, it does eventually relapse. So uh, I have been recommended by the physio to do yoga or Pilates and I haven't really taken them up on it yet. So uh, I'll have to check out Boho Beautiful over on YouTube as well to, to get that extra flexibility and, and strengthen but 
Sean, the next question that came in is around school. There's a couple of questions coming in here around. Maybe we'll flip these around. Actually, it might make for a better uh, sequence. So when you wanted to grow up, we've talked about this, I believe, on the, the series of non-football Q&As before. But when you were young were, and you were growing up, what was your your kind of dream or your goal of what you were going to be when you became an adult? Well, I've always, from when I was very young, wanted to be a writer. Those, you know, first handful of fantasy slash adventure books when you're a little kid and you're thinking to yourself, I mean, I could spend my life, could spend my time as someone who is adventuring, right? And if you enjoy the written word, if you enjoy language, if you enjoy communicating, and if you enjoy stories, then there are a few things that I think have that same appeal. If you're the author yourself, you get to create the stories that can go anywhere that you want. You can spend time in these worlds. And and I think ideally too, make a positive contribution to society. You don't want the storytelling to be, I don't know, one of the things that I think is frustrating in the last sort of five years is you have this real push in the direction of storytelling that it is not story at all. It's very <laughs> thinly veiled um, lecturing and morality tales that are not really suitable for adults because that's that's not what adults need. But one of the things about fantasy, one of the things about science fiction, I think have talked about this on podcasts, you know, four or five years ago. But you can create all of these really interesting dynamics, really interesting ethical situations when you center that in a science fictional world then you can go through those in ways that are, are more organic and more interesting and create these very difficult decisions and i think that that is what makes I mean, if you think about something like battlestar galactic at its peak i mean battlestar had a lot of problems sort of midway through they kind of took the show in a little bit more of a you know, soap opera-ish direction, and then, you know, the the wrap-up episodes completely undermined the philosophical foundations of the entire concept. And so as you go through, sometimes you have writers who understand what the story is about, and then sometimes, unfortunately, you have writers or you have content creators or you have the producers, the channel, whoever is behind the direction of the narrative at, at that point, who don't understand like the, the very underpinnings of what the entire world was built on. So you can run into problems. But you think about some of the, the high points of a show like that, obviously lots of other great examples. You look at a show like Lost that was wildly creative and incredibly exciting and yet the decisions and the ethical quandaries that characters faced were in many cases really interesting. I'm not saying that they always executed it perfectly or that when you got done with it, you're like, well, I mean, the payoff there was, was not what really met the setup. But one of the great things about storytelling of, of that type is that often even when you miss and you fail to execute, you still have these moments and these interesting interactions between characters and you have stories where the plot and the character, one of the things that I think is such a false dichotomy is this idea of something is character-based or plot-based. I mean, you can't tell a, a great story that's not both, right? 
And so from that perspective, I think the idea of telling stories and working with language and working with concepts, it's just really the pinnacle for me of what you know being a human is about. And so there's a pull there and I, and I still have many things that I'm working on and, and things that I hope to do in the future that are in the planning stage. And so we'll see. So, I mean, there's, there's still, I think a strong likelihood. I mean, you obviously have to believe in yourself or there's no point to new things, but there's a strong likelihood that OT listeners, if you're interested, and certainly there are going to be plenty of people who aren't, and that's, that's perfectly fine. I mean, you're obviously here for fantasy football, but I think there will be novels out there in the future for OT listeners if that's something that appeals to you. Yeah, so that still is uh, something that Sean... Sean's obviously uh, playing it down. Sean is a writer in many ways, obviously, with the content on Rotoviz. And uh, you'll often hear people saying that for, and particularly in the fantasy football space, it is some of the the most well-written, well-crafted, and there's some amazing things threaded through there from time to time and uh, always fantastic writing from Sean but we may get into the you know the book element of it over the the coming years but Sean I wanted to be a a professional soccer player I was a a goalkeeper um, and I was quite good and (laughs) but I just didn't make it to that final step so you could say that I kind of made it to the point of where you would get drafted to the NFL but I didn't get drafted (laughs) would be kind of the way I would determine it from a a soccer perspective but um, then that leads us into what was our favorite subjects in school and it's gonna be no surprise to the listeners what yours is but i have written here does physical education count because school was not something that i enjoyed particularly i was much more into sports and uh, didn't really enjoy school from that perspective we've talked sometimes off air about i learn more from when somebody says like you know do you want to do it and then i go and learn it kind of by myself than when somebody says you have to do this and i always find that with the school system that you had to do certain things and I wasn't a big fan of doing them and the time frames that were permitted. So uh physical education was my favorite subject at school. But this subject- that definitely counts. And I think it's really cool that number one, that you're such an awesome soccer player. And number two, that you're such a good learner, regardless of what the school situation was like. <laughs> That's one of the things that I think is fantastic about you know, one of the questions that we have for a different episode is, has the internet made the world better or worse? And that's a fantastic question because there are a lot of ways in which the internet has really been destructive. And, you know, we can touch on a few of those things when we get to that question, but it's also just created such a rich environment for people to pursue their interests, to learn in a way that fits them and to be able to develop all these other competencies and do what they want to do. And for you to, you know, be such, um, I mean, I think that you have the best voice in podcasting in the industry. You're just an extraordinary executive producer for the show. I think this couldn't have turned out any better and for all of those reasons and you know for being able to put you and i together then i'm gonna have to give the the internet a big thumbs up there more detail coming but column if you could have lunch and this is this is the the culminating question for this show if you could have lunch with anyone in the world 
who would it be? And then, I mean, you have The Rock on here. And so, I mean, why seems fairly obvious because The Rock is unbelievably cool. No, explain to us who you're having lunch with here, Colin. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, so The Rock was a secondary option, and I did tease this earlier in the show. One of the Funko Pops behind me is uh, The Rock as a professional wrestler. Um, the Rock would be a secondary option just because, as you mentioned, such a cool person, and to, you know, to hear some of those stories and to, to get to meet him would be pretty cool. I have put down here Arsene Wenger. I mentioned earlier in the show being an Arsenal supporter. Anyone who's a soccer fan probably has heard of him. He was Arsenal's manager for in and around the 20-year mark from... 1996 to 2018 now when i see that in front of me that is more than 20 years sean according to my mathematics that'll be 22 years but that also scaled from the time range of when i was say seven years old till my mid-adulthood you know to not to, to the recent four years ago <laughs> i don't know how i'm trying to describe that part of it but uh so a large part of my life he was the manager of my favorite football team brought a lot of success to the club as somebody who's quite sophisticated um, in terms of the way he would deal with media and the conversations he would have and those versus what we would normally see from a football manager. So he would be somebody that I would uh, think would be fascinating to to meet and to have conversations with. So he would be the person I would pick. Um, again, going back to my previous answer, a lot of my answers in these will revolve around something to do with sports because that's where a lot of my interests have lied. But yeah, Arsene. My question, Sean, to you is: Had you have you ever heard of Arsene Wenger? I'm not. I'm not big into. Well, we have to call it football, right? For Ireland, for the UK, for Europe, and so no, I'm not. Is so you got to in for a US audience where I'm sure a lot of US listeners are going to be much more sophisticated on this topic than I am. But probably overall, we won't have as much knowledge as as your Irish and other uk and european listeners is this sort of a, a ted lasso type of character is this <laughs> a, a stoic i mean we're talking about like i would say Tom stoic, landry yeah. are we talking you know bill belichick who, Pro- who i would say probably more to- a tom landry sort of character um i this is me and my bias side I, somebody who would try and take the the logical approach to things to try and take the higher ground the media didn't have a you know always have his best interest at heart i don't think but somebody who when he was the coach um his big goal was like trying to 
keep the club financially secure so taking younger players and bringing them through into the first team so uh rather than spend money which was al- always a, a point of contention with uh, supporters um but he is somebody who i think um i wouldn't say bill belichick there was another manager in the uk at the time called alex ferguson um who was manchester united's manager who was mega mega successful he would have been kind of the the bill belichick but um him and Arsene Wenger often were battling for supremacy in the the English Premier League and unfortunately Alex Ferguson often came out on top but he was you know somebody it's very hard for we see this in all sports somebody to stay at a, a club for you know two decades that is very very hard so um an ultra successful manager for for the football club and so you feel like the success that they did have was in large part due to his leadership and his ability uh, to get no, the, no doubt. the franchise to sort of overperform what they would have otherwise done. Oh, no doubt. Um, like Arsenal, the stadium that they play in now is called the Emirates Stadium, but he was that was part of his vision to move them from their other stadium. And he also, as I mentioned, the financial aspect, Arsenal developed a lot of players and sold them for a lot of money over the years that he was there that helped to fund that football stadium. So, um, yeah, just I think somebody who maybe at the time when he retired from managing Arsenal in 2018, it had kind of got to a contentious point where the success was declining, and for a number of years the the fans kind of maybe were pushing him towards the exit, and it finished not in the nicest way. But I think when it looks back in you know another 20 years, um, I think he will be remembered as like one of the all-time great soccer coaches. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, Sean, that brings us to your element here um, as to who you would like if you had the opportunity for uh, to. This can be, you know, the question was for, um, you know, if you if you wanted to have lunch, but it can be anything. It can be an evening meal. That, you know, can be whatever time of day that you wish to have this this encounter. <laughs> yeah, so I, I threw sort of five uh, disparate names. Sean's having a round table. Yeah, and, and this and this I think would be quite a group, perhaps, or perhaps they would just, you know, all be like, yeah, we we know what each other are thinking about these things. But David Deutsch is the first name on here. He is someone I think is just a an extraordinary read. He's a quantum physicist at Oxford. So I'm going to give probably not just your run of the mill intellect there. Doesn't has done all kinds of cool things with quantum computing, which is obviously something that is going to play a big role in the human future. He's also written some popular science books, which are accessible to those of us who maybe would not be able to run out and design a quantum computer just sort of on our off day. And one of the things that I really find captivating about his approach to science and evidence and learning about the world as he talks a lot about the reach of explanations and there are a variety of sort of foundational ways to look at information to look at science his approach where he's discussing explanations the importance of them the reach of explanations and how that will help us take steps forward compared to some other ways to approach understanding and data i think is very very valuable this is a book that i've recommended to a variety of 
Rotoviz listeners, readers, and writers, and have gotten great feedback from it. Again, not necessarily something that you have to have some crazy science background to be able to understand. You have to be interested in the concepts and the way that they can be explained by someone of his ability, but made very accessible again for a population that obviously doesn't know and doesn't have the capabilities that he has. The next two names on the list I have are Margaret Atwood and Neil Stevenson. I've mentioned both of them. When we talk about books and we talk about authors, science fiction writers with extraordinary minds would love to ask them, you know, not really ask them anything per se, right? You just want to have a discussion with people who have such an interesting way of viewing and thinking about the world. And from their writing, you know that they're good communicators. Not everybody who's a good writer is a good speaker. And one of the things that has been a lot of fun about being able to go to the Tucson Literature Festival through the years is just to see a lot of these people. And you always want to remember that not everybody's going to want to get up there in front of people and talk and be good at it. And so from that perspective, I mean, you don't suddenly stop liking someone because they can't speak, but so many of the writers are extraordinary public speakers. And again, if you enjoy language and you have the minds that so many of these people have, it's not surprising that they're good at it, especially because they have to go on these circuits and promote their books, which does give you some practice and practice as we know in any area, very important to developing your capabilities. I have Sam Harris on the list. Someone I think who, again, very relevant and very important. And so anybody who does have some interest in those directions can check that out. And then the last name on, I have on here just to, to keep the, the controversy level a little bit high is Kirsten Cinema, who happens to be my Arizona senator. And I mean, if you get to have a chance to have lunch with somebody, I mean, you want to talk with somebody who like has quite a bit of leverage in terms of what they're doing in the world. American listeners will know that she has a outsized role in policymaking for the entire United States as a supposed conservative Democrat. That's not actually the case. She is a corporate Democrat. And I don't think that it really matters too much if you are listening to us as a Democrat, if you're listening to us as a Republican, as you're listening to us as an independent Obviously, there are so many shades of belief and sort of policy perspective that run across all of those ranges. You know, Democrats don't agree on things. Republicans don't agree on things. Independents can run anywhere from the far left to the far right to just not caring. So, again, a lot of different perspectives here. I don't think that it matters that much unless you are the CEO of a massive company. I don't think it matters that much where you are on the political spectrum. You're going to be frustrated with someone who is not representing you, but is representing that Fortune 500 CEO almost exclusively. I'd like to ask her about that. One of the things that we would like to have in our political system, and again, this isn't something that is a left perspective or a right perspective, but is simply about legitimate representative governance, is that your representatives should be interested in your ideas and should reflect the concerns and the perspectives of their constituents. And so, I mean, that's going to be difficult because, you know, you think about Arizona and there's a very widespread of what people believe, just like there's a very widespread of what people believe in the United States. 
And so you can't go out and make policy that simply represents all of those ideas. That would be meaningless. And yet at the same time, these senators who perceive themselves as rock stars and don't want to discuss their ideas and feel like what they're doing is secret and behind closed doors and it's going to work out for you or it's not. And you'll find out later like what the strategy was. That's not what our government is supposed to be like. And so I would like to discuss that with her. She's obviously someone who is very, very bright. She is someone who generates a lot of publicity for herself through some of her other behaviors, which I love. I mean, this is, this is a lady with flamboyant style. And I mean, there have been occasions where she's gotten a little criticism for not dressing appropriately to uh, the Senate and, and things like that. I guess that that part, I find a lot of fun and you know, it, you don't have to like every single outfit that a person wears to enjoy the fact that they're, they have their own personality. And so there seem like there are so many cool things about this woman and she has the chance to be such a dynamic presence in the future of our country because we do need more policy making that actually helps people and again i don't think it matters if you're a democrat or republican you believe that now how that manifests is going to be different but we need to get some things done and we need to have our representatives representing us and so if i could have lunch with her we could discuss that and you could find out if if she agrees with that and, and feels like she's doing it or if she doesn't agree but if you have a 30 minute lunch you at least can sit there and stare at each other and see what maybe she has to say so after that 30 minute lunch then we would know that it would be sean siegel for senate would be the the next thing that we'll be hearing here <laughs> but uh yeah fun to hear you talk through that i think it would be a very interesting lunch to be fly on the wall to hear all those conversations but another fun show as we answer some of the listener submitted questions we do thank everyone who sent those in hopefully you've enjoyed listening into this one but i've really enjoyed recording it as myself and sean discuss some fun topics that we wouldn't normally discuss on here but thank you to everyone for listening in we will have more of these coming your way but we'll also have all of your regularly scheduled fantasy football content so make sure you are subscribed to the road of its overtime podcast feed to get all that once it is released my name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Over to Marlin, and you can also obviously check out all of Sean's great work up on rotoviz.com. I will have to let him know the correct Twitter handle uh, if he ever wants to log back in there, but uh, it does sound like that is uh, rotoviz.com is the best place to find Sean Siegel at the moment. Uh, and until we're back with another podcast, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. 
the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.